Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kim Boo, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Around the Writer's Table. This is Gina Hogan-Edwards, and I am here with my buddies, Melody A. Scout and Kim Boo York. We're here for another episode of Around the Writer's Table, and today we will be talking about critiquing. But first, let me introduce you to my buddies. <laughs> we have Kim Boo York. Say hello. Hey, hello, y'all. Kimbu is a romance novelist and a former project manager, and she helps writers and solopreneurs find time, mojo, and motivation to create. And my other buddy here with us is Melody A. Scout. Good morning, listeners. Melody helps her clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and her book, Soul of the Seasons. As I said, I am Gina Hogan-Edwards, and I am passionate about supporting women in finding their voices, whether that's on the page or from a stage. So let's dive into a topic that was the birthing point of this podcast. At last. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Kimbu, Melody, and I have had so many conversations about the process of critiquing. But before we get fully into that, I am going to pass this off to Melody so that she can tell us a little bit about our previous episode and how we are going to transition into talking about critiquing. Yeah. So our last episodes, last two episodes, were in the season of fall. And the season of fall is all about letting go. We've uh, gathered the harvest. We've completed a work or a certain stage of our work. And we have this abundance of stuff as writers. We have an abundance of words and probably ideas and probably more words. <laughs> and Lots and lots and lots of words. Many, so many, many words. words. And... Uh, If you're like me, I used to have a t-shirt that said, help, I'm writing and I can't shut up. Anyway, (laughs) the season of fall in the natural world is all about letting go and keeping only what's essential and precious to us. And this is how the subject of critiquing fits in because critiquing and editing, which is a part of this, but specifically critiquing is about identifying those things that need to be released, that don't serve our storyline, that don't serve the the core of what we're trying to put forward in our work. So it's not about getting rid of everything. It's having a eye with precision to let things go in a way that is very direct, but also kind. One of the words that comes up for me in this process is discernment, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. looking at our work with discernment. Is this, is this piece, first of all, uh, following the intention that I originally had for it, 
and being able to methodically take a look at what serves that purpose and what might not, what needs to come out, what needs to stay in or be embellished, what needs to be focused on and what needs to just be completely washed away. It's interesting to me, um, I'm going to jump in real quick. It's like uh, discernment, I think, is a better word for me because I, I'm, I'm what my mother used to call the radio school of writing, which is that I would just be very bare bones. And so when I go back and I do editing, I generally add a lot, mm. but it's because I'm trying to let go of just getting from one scene to another, like mm. I'm trying to add feeling and emotion. So yeah, so discernment of me like, oh, I need to explain why that character is mm-hmm. doing this. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and I think that you've you've struck on something that is important for us to remember is that when we're talking about letting go, it's not only about what needs to come out of the work. Um, sometimes it can be letting go of a certain perception that we have of our own work or letting go of a certain attitude that we have uh, about what we're working on. So this is not only uh, a phase or a process where we're letting go of words, but it also has to do with um, the writing process as a whole and the way that we view ourselves as a writer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The inner and outer uh, critique, you know, not only of the work, but who we are as writers and we have certain attachments to things we write and emotional connections to that and that may make it challenging we're going to talk all about all that fun stuff later <laughs> yeah so attachment that's a good segue into uh, what I want us to talk about first so when do you really know that you are ready to take your work to that next stage When do you know that you're finished with your draft, whether it's your first draft or your 50th, and take it to that next stage? So we're going to talk a little bit today about critique groups. I think we're probably going to have a little bit difference of opinion, and I want those listeners out there to know that that's okay. Um, It's good for you to hear kind of different writers' perspectives and experiences in that regard so that as you're working through your writing process and figuring out your writing practice, you can determine what is really right for you. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want to talk about is looking at our own work and doing some self-assessment. Um, this is... Yuck. I don't want to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was going to say was this can be a very uncomfortable process, uh, Kimbu. <laughs> Uh, You know, it's hard for us to be objective about our own work because we do oftentimes view our words as precious and we don't want to let them go. Uh, we, We love, so many of us love the creation process that sort of doing that mental switch into evaluation or assessment can be a challenge and sometimes not as fun. So I want to preface all of what we're going to talk about today by saying that when you go through this process, one of the things I want to encourage everyone to embrace is self-compassion. Be Mm -hmm. kind to yourself Mm -hmm. as you do this. It's because it is an uncomfortable phase. um, I think it's a good idea to 
consider yourself as you as you go through your work and as you look at your process look at yourself just as you would a writer friend you know try try to take that step back and look from the outside so treat yourself as as you would any other writer friend as you go through this evaluation process so Self-assessment, what does that mean? That means sometimes taking time away from your writing. And writers often don't want to do that. It's like, I want to get this project done. You know, I'm finished with the draft. I want to, I want to finish it. But taking time away from your writing is a very important process. And I would love to hear, or a very important aspect of the process. I would love to hear from you, Kim Boo, and then Melody, about taking time away from your writing and what that means to you and how that feels. Uh, wow. So just digging deep right off the mark, um, taking time away from my writing. I think one of the things that I deal with, especially as a genre writer is that I have a lot of ideas. Like I know both you and, and Melody tend to work on a one big project at a time. Like you might be doing smaller things as you go along, but you know, that book or that novel is what you're working on. Whereas I have like 13 at a time. So <laughs> That scares the daylights out of me. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, uh, I think a lot of people think, oh, taking a break from writing means stopping writing, which to me doesn't necessarily mean that. To me, taking a break might mean stepping away from that story Mm -hmm. and working on another new idea or reworking an older idea that wasn't working out. So for me, and that's an important part for me, in the process to keep a connection with the spirit, with the muse, if you will, of keeping in touch with the creativity. Because if I stop writing, and it has happened to me occasionally through the years where I just don't write, I've been dealing with writer's block actually for the last year. Um, It's unhealthy. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. And so even though it might be good for that story itself not to be worked on, for me, I need the creative juice of working on other things. So I do stop working on a story, usually when I I hit a block or hit a wall or finish the first draft, but I don't stop writing. And I think that's, that's obviously I may be an outlier, but um, that's just how my brain works. If I, if I stop writing completely, it's not a good day. (laughs) I I love that perspective and also the ability for uh, us to clarify when I say take some time away. I don't necessarily mean from your writing practice as a whole, but just time away from that project. Mm -hmm. So taking time away might mean that instead of working on that project, you're journaling. So uh, I'm glad that you brought that up, Kimbu, so that we could clarify that taking time away doesn't ne- mean stop writing. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> stop writing. How about you, Melody? Well, um, this is a really good subject because, you know, when we talk about the five seasons and the five elements, it's all about balance. Mm. And so if it does not feel balanced to you to completely quit writing, then that's not your jam. You know, the internal assessment, the internal discernment is about finding what works for you. And Mm -hmm. for myself, I can take a complete break from writing, but that's kind of how I roll with a lot of things. I, and I, you know, I go in, uh, I don't know what I'd call a binging or whatever, but even with reading and other things, I'll just like go 
read everything in sight. And then I can go months without reading anything (laughs) at all. And I can do the same thing with writing, although I find it harder to stay away from the actual writing. But I also have a lot of writing adjacent activities I like to do, putting down story ideas. And those are all part of the process. Absolutely. (laughs) And it's good to remember that it's just because you're not putting actual words on the page does not mean you're not actually doing writing work and it's all essential. I'm going to, a story that my friend Kim talks about a lot and she's a good friend of mine and both Gina and Melody know her. She's local here to Tallahassee where she was actually being a copywriter for her business. And one day Uh, somebody walked in and she was sitting at her desk and they just said very snarkily to her, Oh, I see you're busy writing. Cause she was just sitting at her desk, like looking off and, and she and I laugh about it because she was busy writing. Like she was thinking about the topic she was supposed to be writing about and like just trying to corral her thoughts. And I, but of course it just since looks like, looked like she was sitting there facing a blank wall, but she was writing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, we need to be, again, going back to that self-compassion, be kind to ourselves about every single stage of the process. And even though other folks might look at us and think that we're sitting there daydreaming or wasting time or whatever, <laughs> the ideation stage, oh, it's so juicy and I just, I love it. And so don't <laughs> let anybody convince you that that's not part of the writing process, even though, like <laughs> Melody said, you may not be putting, you know, alphabet on the page. Um I want us to to sort of loop around here. I, we're going to come back to this idea of uh, assessing because we're going to talk in a little bit about a, a worksheet that we've got to help you through that process. But I, I don't want us to ignore two other aspects of the very early stages of moving from having your draft ready to uh, that sort of in-between stage before you're actually ready to publish. Um, and those are critique groups, Mm. which, as I said, was sort of the birthplace of this podcast. And then um, also alpha readers, which Kimbo is going to fill us in some about. But I would love to talk about critique groups, your experience with critique groups, what you think of that process of actually sharing your work, either as you're writing or once you've got a a draft completed. So Melody, I'm going to throw it to you first this time, and then we'll go to Kimbo. So I actually love critique groups, and I joined my first writer uh, group, oh my gosh, a couple of decades ago here in Tallahassee, and I was just fortunate enough to land in a group where people offered kind, supportive, encouraging advice, even Mm. though I was just a baby writer. That's awesome. And... I personally enjoy critiquing some people that it's not their favorite thing, Um, but I enjoy it as long as it's given uh, with compassion and uh, balanced feedback, because any critique that is harsh in lacking kindness and compassion and empathy for the person receiving the critique is an imbalanced critique. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot in my writing really improved uh, in the few years when I attended that group. And I understand, and I've been to other writing groups where this is not always the case. Mm-hmm. 
And knowing when you need a critique is, I think, an essential essential part of the assessment phase um, and knowing if it's a really a critique that you want or not. Or is it something else? Do you need encouragement? Do you need a support? Do you need to say, somebody say, that's great, keep going. Maybe, you know, head it in this direction a little bit. What do you think about that? Um, it's really important because, in, you know, I've had the experience of offering something in the early stages, wasn't first draft, but the feedback I got, even though it wasn't meant to be, felt really harsh. Mm. And what I realized later on was I didn't really want to critique right then. I, w- I wanted a cheerleader, somebody mm-hmm. to say, you're doing some amazing stuff. Keep going. I may not get it right now, but keep going. Yes, that is so important. Knowing knowing what your expectations are of the group and making sure that uh, the others in the group know what your expectations are. You know, be clear Absolutely. about what you're asking for when you're participating in a critique group. And I might recommend actually... Uh, if you're interested in a group, go sit in for a few times before you offer any of your oh, work and see advice. what happens yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. Is this a group? I mean, our work is very personal and intimate. No matter what we're writing, it comes from our heart. Um, it's got our blood, sweat, and tears in it. So is the group that you're going to trustworthy going to be holding your work in a generous light? Yes. And you as well as the writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's excellent advice to sit in on the group a couple of times before you actually share your work or participate, commit to participating in the group. Great advice. Kim Boo, how about you? I haven't participated in a critique group in a very long time. I kind of like Melody, I have both positive and negative experiences with it. So I really don't know if I'm someone to advise people on, you know, how to decide about whether a critique group is going to be beneficial for them. I think, I don't know, Gina, see maybe uh, your experience with other writers. I think there is a period, you know, kind of getting back to Melody's idea of the cycle, right? The cycles, the seasons. I think there's a season of a young writer's life where a critique group can be very helpful because you're getting a lot of different perspectives back on what you're writing outside of your own little zone. Um, For me, that's a double shot of I've been writing a very long time and I also write in genre, um, genre categories and critique groups for genre categories do exist. Usually they're not local. I think there was one science fiction critique group that was here local in Tallahassee for a little while, but of course that all collapsed with the with the pandemic, there are certainly a lot of online critique group organizations where you join the organization or join the website, and then you can find smaller critique groups within that website. Uh, I'll try to find a couple I know about and we'll link them in the show notes. Um, So, but I haven't done much of that lately. I will say that for me, uh, ironically, writing fan fiction kind of served that purpose in a way, because I would write uh, chapter fic, which is obviously 
stories that are long enough to have chapters as opposed to one shots, which are short stories, a lot of different lingo for the same thing. I think is funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I write chapter fic, I would post a chapter and then get feedback on that chapter from people who were reading it. Wide variety of people, anybody. It was like an open critique group. Just come in and tell me how you feel about this, which can be bad sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you're writing mm-hmm. something challenging or depressing or, or um, you know, in worst case world, if you're writing something that's filled with stereotypes and negative uh, images of people, then people are really going to slam you. And, and so that's mm-hmm. the negative part of that. I don't want to encourage everybody to go out and do what I did, but it kind of did serve as a critique group because it really made me realize what people liked in stories, what they didn't like in stories. And because as a genre writer, I'm trying to, I'm not going to say write entirely to market, but I want to write to people's expectations of what that genre is supposed to contain. Um, that was very helpful for me. So it was kind of sort of critique-ish type of thing mm-hmm. that I was, that I, that I did for years. And I think it really helped my writing in particular. So that's my experience. Well, I, I have a love hate relationship with critique groups. Um, you know, like Melody, I have participated in some fabulous groups. And frankly, it was out of sheer luck that I ended up with some other writers who uh, were really skilled at being able to offer suggestions. Mm-hmm without hijacking the story. And the reason that I have love-hate relationship with critique groups is because in my editing work, as I've worked with clients, I have had writers fairly early on in their writing uh, practice, in um, in their projects, participate in critique groups and come away so absolutely devastated that they have stopped writing. Oh man, that's just, ugh, that's the worst. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, what happened was a couple of things. Uh, One, the individual not really knowing what they wanted out of a critique group, but feeling like it was something that they should participate Mm -hmm. in because that's what they had been told by some other writers, you know, get some feedback. And so they joined this group and they didn't know the people and they didn't know what their expectations were. They were unclear about their own expectations, about whether they were really wanting a cheerleader, as as Melody talked about earlier, or really wanting... um, meaningful feedback on their writing and these people didn't know how to give feedback so they ended up hijacking her story and saying you should do this and you should do that Mm -hmm. and it got her so disconnected with what it was that she wanted to do in her story that she just shut down she couldn't write anymore for a very long time and so that's why I have a love-hate relationship with critique groups and my Words of caution, if a critique group is something that you want to participate in, is number one, know what your own expectations are. Hmm. Number two, when you find a group, especially if you don't know the group, encourage them to have a set of ground rules so that everybody's expectations are similar in terms of how the group should be conducted. There's a very, to me, it's a, you know, this is, This is words we're talking about here. So it's a very fine line, but there's a difference between feedback and critique. Mm -hmm. Feedback offers suggestions and encouragement. Critique offers 
um, sometimes <laughs> uh, harsh uh, criticism that, again, can, can shut us down, can take us into a place where we no longer are connected with whatever our heart was telling us that that piece needed to be. Mm. So setting ground rules like in, in any critique group that I participate in or feedback uh, situation, the words you should are prohibited (laughs) Um, because that is when someone is imposing their ideas upon yours. Mm -hmm. So knowing what your expectations are, knowing what the rules are for the group, encouraging the group to be on the same page about how the critique is to be delivered. Um, And, you know, you can participate in a critique group when you're still in the writing phase. And I think that that is the most, um, that is when the opportunity to be steered away from your intentions is the highest. Mm-hmm. If you've already got a full draft, then you're less likely to have that happen. So just keep that in mind if, if you do decide that you're going to participate in a critique group. So, you know, in a nutshell, there's, there's other aspects, but that's kind of why I have that love-hate relationship. Gina, for our listeners, do you have any resources on how to establish rules for a critique group, like examples or um, anything like that, that maybe we could link to them? I can certainly look those up and we can put those in the show notes or um, from some of the work that I've done, I can put together a tip sheet or something that we can include. But yeah, yes, I think we'll, that would we'll... be very helpful, at least for people know it, because like, you know, what kind of rules would be good? Like the word not including the word should, like, you know, that's a good one, you know, not allowed to use that word. Um, but I think a lot of people who might be newer writers might not even know what kind of rules would be beneficial for a critique group. So sure. sure. I, because I, I would, be I would be like, I've, I've been a writer for years. I'm like, Ooh, rules for a critique group. What would that even look like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that brings up a good point too, because if you don't have a critique group that suits you, start one. Mm. Yeah. With yes. people you yeah. know and love and trust. And so those, you know, guidelines will be a great starting place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to circle back around and, and say how important it is to know yourself and know how you are in your writing process. Because honestly, some people stand up to critiquing much better than others. Mm-hmm. Some people have a very uh, sensitive spirit. And um, any sort of, um, uh, I guess, well, critiquing it is, which could go, I want to say, can be the spectrum to be gentle feedback to harsh, as Gina would say. Mm -hmm. But that if you notice in your daily life that you have a hard time accepting others' criticism of anything you do, then critiquing is going to be really challenging to you. Mm-hmm. And how do you want to handle that? Because I've gotten the most amazing advice from critique groups and people who have turned a critical eye to my work. And, you know, not all of it was pleasant to hear because I just love everything I write, not just <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Come on. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, duh. <laughs> but knowing yourself and uh, if you have a hard time taking uh, taking criticism, then maybe dive a little deeper and see 
what that's about for you because it's essential in getting your book completed. Yeah. At some point, you are going to need to take some critiquing and to make it the best, to make it the vision that you want it to be. Excellent advice. Excellent advice, Melody. I want to take us to a discussion about something that I've, I have not uh, introduced this aspect to my writing process. And I'm really curious. I'm going to, I'm going to let Kim Boo lead us into a little bit of discussion about alpha readers, Mm. what they are, how you use them, how they can benefit your writing. Melody's been talking earlier about knowing what you need and, and talking about, you know, at one point she needed a cheerleader and not, you know, a, a ruthless critique of, of the, the, the prose. And alpha readers kind of bridge the gap between a, a full-blown editor and somebody who's going to be looking at something, a beta reader, which we'll be talking about in our next uh, episode where somebody who's giving feedback on story development and, and some editing and things like that and like how you could improve it. An alpha reader, and this is the way I've described it in the past, an alpha reader is there for the writer. Uh, beta readers, editors, critique groups, they're there for the story. So an alpha reader is there to help the writer bring their vision to light. They might give some advice if asked by the author, like, is this, is this plot point happening too soon? Was this confusing? I mean, that's not uncommon questions for an alpha reader to get, but an alpha reader really is going in there with the idea of looking at everything that's good in the story, everything they want out of the story. Like, yes, this is, um, I've done some alpha reading for a romance novels, and, you know, it's like, oh, yes, I can just see the the connection between these characters. The chemistry's jumping off the page. What are you going to do next? Where are you taking this story? I just, I want to know where it goes. It can't be fake. Like, you need somebody who loves to read romance novels like I do. Like, I, I couldn't do this. I couldn't be an alpha reader for somebody who's writing, like, a, a horror story. Like, that. I would be like, oh, this is terrible. Let me out. <laughs> oh my God. You know, they, I might give them good feedback in the sense of, oh, this is really scary. I'm not going to read any more of it. But, uh, you know, you have to sort of, again, know yourself, know what you're looking for. And if you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling like a story is kind of listing a little bit, but you're not really ready to go to a story developer, a developmental editor, as, as Gina would correct me, um, if you're not ready to go to that point or even a critique group, ask for an alpha writer, ask for somebody to come in and support you as a writer writing the story, not necessarily to come in and try to make the story better. And that's really how I describe alpha writers. And they've been critical to my success so much. Like sometimes I'll just throw a story that's not really working. And I'm just like, what do you like about this? What is what 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 works for you? And that will give me the impetus to motivation to keep going and finishing it and figuring out what I need to do. When you've used alpha readers in the past, where have you found them? Uh, the genre fiction market is uh, uh, community is is actually smaller than a lot of people think. Like you look at it, you know the hundreds of thousands of romance novels out there, but you'd be surprised at the communities of romance novels novelists. Mm-hmm. Aside from romance writers of America, you pull them from your community. Is the answer I'm getting at? You pull them from somebody who's familiar with the type of story that you want to write. Um, Mm -hmm. like, uh, Melody, you were talking about the person who gave you feedback you weren't really ready for. You've told that story before. And my, 
my impression is that that person wasn't somebody who really reads a lot of the type of thing that you were writing. Like they didn't really know what you were going for. Well, actually, actually they, they do. However, they were not a writer. Ah, see. And yeah. I think that is essential. You don't need somebody who understands a writing process or if you're going to ask for feedback early on. Yeah. That's my opinion. No, I agree with you. Alpha, alpha readers are that definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They really understand that this is early in the process. And the other thing I wanted to offer, which you mentioned, Kimbu, I think is essential in any phase is, is this person should be asking questions? Should, you know, it should be a balance instead of just telling you what's wrong or this has to be fixed or whatever. Are they asking you questions? And questions open up portals. Mm -hmm. The person who is asked a question will offer so much more in in way of interaction than somebody who is being told. Mm-hmm. You should be uh, one this, of the best alpha be readers. I remember this vividly that I had. It was, this was for a fan fiction story. It was years ago, um, but I was I was really stuck on it, and I'd reached a stumbling block. I'd reached a wall. I didn't know what I wanted to do with the story or the characters, and so I had an somebody I trusted as an alpha reader, and I was like, just give me give me your feedback. I'm, I'm feeling stalled. I need some motivation. And they did, they asked me a question. They asked me a question about one of the characters and they were like, why is he not a part of this particular scene? Like, where did he go? Like, why isn't he in this scene? And I suddenly like windows, vistas opened up before me. And I realized <laughs> that the whole problem that I had with the plot was with where that character was and I didn't even think about it I hadn't even realized it and so introducing him back in explain solved everything but they asked a question they were just like man I really love this this is great but where where is he where did where'd he go <laughs> I was like oh excellent thank excellent. you Melody for bringing up that point about questions I think mm -hmm. that is an excellent piece of advice and that would certainly be something that I would include in that list of like ground rules is mm -hmm. like ask quality questions oh, um, yeah. you know make sure that when you're reading somebody else's work that if something comes up for you rather than saying you should or even you know why don't you ask them <laughs> a question about it that may open up some opportunities and some um, perspective for them that they couldn't have gotten to on their own without you asking that question yeah so very that's, good that's going to be on the tip list for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah because these are really important qualities if somebody asks you to read their work and mm -hmm. give feedback keep this in mind about how you offer because i think oftentimes we don't think about how our words will be landing with mm -hmm. the person and the kindness, the compassion, the gentleness, mm -hmm. um, and still be direct. You can still be direct and be all those things. Yep. It does yes. not have to be harsh. Exactly. So I want us to circle back to the assessing of your own work. You know, the things that we've talked about, assessing your work, being involved in a critique or a feedback group, using alpha readers, all of these things, there, there's not a linear process in, mm -hmm. in using any of these uh, aspects, uh, introducing these into your writing process at, at certain phases. You know, you can be involved in a critique group while you're writing, after you've got a draft written, after you feel like you've hit the 
final, final, final draft stage. Um, so you can use these resources at any given time. The alpha readers, as Kimbu said, you know, that would be somebody early on while you're writing. But the assessment of your own writing is something that I want to touch on a little bit more before we wrap up here. One aspect of that is really understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm. Also knowing what the expectations might be if you're writing in a particular genre. You know, what does the reader expect? And then comparing your strengths and weaknesses to that list of the reader's expectations and seeing where there might be gaps and seeing what you need to work on. And that's something that can serve you for the long term of your writing, um, you know, for future work that you may be, you may be working on. Uh, comparing those lists of your strengths and your weaknesses to what the expectations are and then going back through your work in a methodical fashion to see where those gaps are and to start filling those in and seeing how you need to to improve your writing. Mm. So we're going to have a worksheet that we're going to offer along with the show notes for this episode that takes you through 10 steps of assessing your own work. Um, and that's something that you'll be able to download from our website. If you're listening to this on one of the podcasting platforms, you can go to aroundtheridertable.com to find this worksheet. And that's also a place where you can listen to, to previous episodes as well. So this is only part one in our fabulous uh, podcast on critiquing. Oh, no, so much more to go. Yes. <laughs> oh. We could do 10 oh. podcasts on this subject alone and not exhaust it. So be sure to tune in. Our next one's going to drop uh, not too long after this one does. <laughs> tune in. And we have these great resources on there and links to all of our websites. Please leave your comments and feedback or any questions you have. We'd love to hear from you about what your experience has been with critiquing. Definitely. So, yeah. Stay tuned. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us around the writer's table. Please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at aroundtheridertable.com. Music provided with gracious permission by Langtree. A link to their music is on our homepage at aroundtheridertable.com. Everyone here around the writer's table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.